0: You're listening to The World in My Eyes. This is Renegade Talk Radio. Renegade Talk Radio. Hello, Renegade Nation Atlanta. And welcome to another episode of The World in My Eyes, where I get the chance to share what all the crazy little voices in my head are saying on a regular basis. And we've spent such a great deal of time getting so very intimate with each other. But in case uh, you might be new, I am the naughty mistress with the mostest, the melodic goddess, and the deviant diva, naughty Nicole Delacroix. Before we jump into today's topic, though, I do want to remind all you naughty little listeners out there that the Renegade Talk Radio Network is growing by leaps and bounds every single day. We've got a brand new website, so make sure you've got it bookmarked, and check out all the fascinating and provocative shows on our website. Don't forget, we've got great talk radio on its way to you, so make sure that you're checking back in with us daily, because guess what? You don't want to miss what's coming up next. And hey! Are you a budding podcaster yourself? Do you think you have the stones to join the Renegade Talk Radio Network? Well, then head on over to the website and sign up to show Richie what you got. No dick pics, please. Richie will show you how to do things right, and guess what? If you've got the right stuff, and plenty of stones, we'll put you on Renegade. And if you're in the mood for some hot-ass tunes then don't forget Sky Pilot Radio, playing the best goddamn music of all time. All right, my darlings, let's jump into today's topic. And on today's episode of The World in My Eyes, we are going to be talking about the Golden Globes, the hashtag Me Too movement, and the Time's Up movement. But before we jump into these juicy little tidbits, I do need to apologize to you, my lovely renegade nation. I have been very very sick, and this is actually the first time in about six weeks that I've actually been able to speak properly. Yes, I did have to down an entire fifth of Gentleman Jack just so that I would have a voice for you, but even though I'm still sick, I wanted to come on air and thank you for all of your kind emails and thoughts that you've been sending my way. And on that note, if you're sick with the flu, cold, Ebola, The plague whatever the fuck you have then please by all means do the rest of us a favor and stay the fuck home i've had three go rounds with these inconsiderate plague victims and i'm seriously just tired of being the only one that has sense enough to wear a hazmat suit when i'm sick so seriously if you've got the fucking plague stay home i'm tired of being sick Alright, so back to the real reason that I've drank myself stupid so that I would have a voice for you. Sexual harassment. Yeah, I know, I joke a lot about it. And you know what? That's my fucking job. It's my job to try and entertain you. But it's time that we, Renegade Nation, have a serious fucking discussion about all the bullshit that's been going on lately. Now, throughout 2017, revelation after revelation of alleged sexual harassment and misconduct was reported from Harvey Weinstein, Matt Lauer, Charlie Rose, Kevin Spacey, and what seems like too many to name, where we started to expose what many women already know. Men with power will use it to intimidate women, boost or derail those women's careers, and satisfy their own enormous egos and tiny dicks. But somewhere, lost in all the titillating and disgusting stories of naked old men like Charlie Rose prancing around with open bathrobes, or door locks that can be triggered from an office desk, is the real definition of sexual harassment. When sexual harassment occurs in the workplace, it isn't just demeaning. It's a form of discrimination, and it's outlawed by the 1964 Civil Rights Act. That's right, 1964 people! That law... It's supposed to protect, or, well, it should be protecting, minorities of all kinds from being treated unfairly or unequally. You never stop to think that women might be a minority. Yeah, well, surprise! Sexual harassment in the form of paying lower wages and blocking career advancement is nothing more than a way to perpetuate economic inequality. It is no different from discrimination on the basis of race, religion, color, or national origin. It is the product of a mindset among those in power that women are less valuable than men, that they are mainly valued for their physical attributes, their ability to produce children, and not their accomplishments in the workplace. It is a way for powerful men and women to bully some into believing that their thoughts, intellect, abilities, and accomplishments are not valued and that instead can only advance by giving in to the needs and whims of those that are in charge. And it comes in so many forms, from the subtle comment about your legs when you're trying to present a new idea, to jokes about hand jobs, to, as Matt Lauer allegedly did, locking you in the office and demanding sex. It is ultimately about a pervasive lack of respect. And you know what? It comes in two varieties. The quid pro quo, in which victims are forced to exchange sexual compliance for a work opportunity. Or the hostile environment, in which harassment is a persistent aspect of work life. But proving a hostile work environment is incredibly difficult, and courts have struggled with it ever since. Under the law, harassment has to be pervasive or severe to rise to the level of discrimination, and proving such squishy little ideas is extremely difficult, and so many fail. And because of this, many of the women now coming forward aren't suing anyone. Most instead resort to a kind of employee-employer blackmail, holding up the employer or the perpetuator for a settlement that in return for a little bit of money requires them to keep their mouth shut about the abuse and possibly even leave their jobs. An entire infrastructure of employment lawyers has sprung up to specialize in these negotiations, and the amount of money that's won, well, it doesn't even begin to compensate for a lifetime of lost career opportunity and earnings. And it does nothing for the ability of women as a group to advance in the workplace. It simply just covers up the problem. Because you know what? If it's not seen, it's not heard. And poll after poll, story after story, survey after survey, has shown women are disadvantaged in the workplace. Sexual harassment is just a symptom. Until women get an equal voice and equal treatment in pay, career opportunity, and advancement, very little is likely to change. And you know what? This brings me to the hashtag Me Too movement. So far, the current movement is focused on uncovering Revelations of inappropriate behavior. You know what? A Reuters poll published back in December 27th suggests there isn't a consensus on what Americans believe constitutes sexual harassment. 41% of adults said it's when someone tells you a dirty joke. Yeah, okay, right. 44% said that doesn't even qualify. Similarly, While 44% of adults said that non-consensual hugging was sexual harassment, 40% said it's not. And disturbingly, only 83% of millennials or adults born after 1982 said sending someone porn without their consent was sexual harassment, compared with 90% of those that were born between 1965 and 1981. Yet, porn in the workplace is often regarded by courts as evidence of sexual harassment. How in the hell do you think that sending me that unsolicited dick pic is not sexual harassment? What the fuck is wrong with you? The New York Times tried to get its arms around the issues by polling men about the kinds of stuff that they do at work, like telling those inappropriate sexual jokes or continuing to ask someone on dates and found that at least a third of men had done some variation of such activity. Such attempts to define behavior, it just muddles the issue. But the new year year has started with a bang, and yes, the pun on that was totally intended. And a major announcement from several Hollywood A-listers. Now, I was trying to decide if I want to call the celebrity fucktards, or some variation thereof, but because they have taken the stupidity and failure to grasp what is really going on, I... Nicole Delacroix, have invented a new word to describe the celebrity machine that tries and fails to grasp what everyday people think. My new term, my friends, is celebutards. These narcissistic, ignorant, out-of-touch failures at life think that wearing black to some fucking event that nobody cares about somehow is going to help a woman who has lost her job because she stood up to some power-hungry man? The fuck is wrong with you people? Truth is, when I heard all the celebutards were gonna be wearing black, the first thing that popped into my head was is this their way of making up for not nominating anybody that actually is black? This movement couldn't possibly be more of an absolute failure. Not one single man said one thing about it, and the communication as to what it's supposed to actually be continues to baffle me. So if anybody out there knows what the fuck these people are supposed to be doing, for fuck's sake, send me an email, send me a fucking chart, because apparently I'm too stupid to understand it, and tell me what the fuck is going on with these people. Anyway... Full page ads in the New York Times and the Spanish language newspaper La Opinion heralded the creation of Time's Up, the entertainment industry's woman led response to the wave of sexual misconduct accusations that dominated the news in the last 12, in the last few months of 2017. Some of the names attached to it are going to be very familiar and roll your eyes with me, but we got Ashley Judd, the original feminazi, Reese Witherspoon, who I kind of actually like, and I just don't understand why she's attached to this, and America Ferreira. Some people like Shonda Rhimes, Eva Longoria, and Rashida Jones have long been vocal advocates for gender and racial equality in Hollywood. And Time's Up is the first attempt in the industry to channel the know-how, connections, and social capital of all these women. 300 female producers, directors, actresses, agents, writers, lawyers, and executives into a focused effort for substantive change. The main pillars of Time Up's agenda are designed to attack the long-standing epidemic of sexual harassment from several different sides. There's actually a legal defense fund that currently sits at $13 million earmarked to support women in blue-collar jobs who want to report instances of sexual misconduct. The group intends to lobby for legislation that would crack down on companies that enable serial harassers and use non-disclosure agreements to prevent victims from telling others about their abuse. One of Time's Up many working groups is an initiative called 50-50 by 2020, which is pushing entertainment companies to pledge to make their leadership teams half-women in the next two years. The vision advanced by these goals is one of bold institutional reform, a multi-industry shift toward women in decision-making positions, legal accountability for wrongdoers, and fewer ways for business leaders to shirk the mandate of to maintain a safe workplace but there is a good reason to doubt that Time's Up will meet its ambitious targets. One of the group's first coordinated acts was to encourage women to wear all black on the red carpet at the Golden Globes on Sunday, ostensibly to raise awareness about sexual harassment or, I don't know, maybe they felt fat and thought black was going to make them look skinnier. I honestly don't fucking know. And the best that they came up with was to invite their maids, I guess, to join them on the red carpet and wear black. Since you can't see me, just know that I am actually rolling my eyes and shaking my head. If this is what Time's Up counts as activism, this initiative is doomed from the start. Let me just point out a few things that maybe you ladies just didn't think of. Since almost every single man already wears black tuxes to the event... Time's Up is asking action only of the women. And if any women don't get the memo or decide that their dress color is counterproductive means of protest, those women will almost certainly focus of the next day's media coverage instead of the men who have made Hollywood a living hell. So the group of women that are supposed to be fighting for female equality and power have left, well, all the fighting up to, well, the women. Fuck me running. What the fuck is wrong with you people? The women who do wear black will earn applause for doing absolutely fucking nothing to combat sexual harassment or abuse. And this sad narcissistic viewpoint can only be best summed up by the idiotic comment given by Eva Longoria to the New York Times about the protest. And I quote, this is a moment of solidarity, not a fashion moment. For years, we've sold these award shows as women with our gowns and colors and our beautiful faces and our glamour. This time, the industry can't expect us to go up and twirl around. Okay, if the moment is not about fashion and twirling in pretty dresses, why did Time's Up confine its first public protest to the color of the gowns on women's bodies huh answer me that oh and did anybody else notice that in that quote Eva Longoria noted our beautiful faces and our glamour way to gut punch the regular women of the world Eva fucking idiot To live up to its mission, Time's Up will have to prove that it is somehow uniquely able to fight sexual discrimination and abuse, that it has something to add to the generations of expertise amassed by the non-famous activists and unglamorous organizations who have committed themselves to this kind of work. It makes sense to enlist bold-faced names to fight harassment in an industry that employs them, but there's nothing to suggest that the group will succeed where others have failed at, oh, I don't know, legislative. Of reform? Movements for gender equality need many things. Money is probably number one on that list, with more working groups near the bottom. So far, the biggest impact Times Up has made is undoubtedly that $13 million contribution to the Legal Defense Fund, raised in part through donations from Brimes, Witherspoon, Meryl Streep, Steven Spielberg, and Cape Capshaw. When one organization's smartest move is giving another group its money, it might be better off as nothing more than a fundraising apparatus. So I'm just going to go with shut up and give me your money. That $13 million also includes gifts from ICM Partners, the Creative Artists Agency, William Morris Endeavor, and United Talent Agency. All are for-profit companies that are capitalizing on this very moment to earn goodwill, goodwill within the industry. They are in desperate need of a reputation cleanse, Several allegations that have surfaced against Weinstein and other Hollywood power players have implicated these very agencies that set up meetings between unsuspecting young actresses and known abusers. They deserve accountability. Instead, thanks to Time's Up, they get to be fucking allies. Way to rape us a second time, you fucking celebutards. Okay, my lovelies. I need to take a break, get a little bit more Jack Daniels so I can get fired up again. So let's visit with our sponsors, maybe check out a little bit of music. You're listening to The World in My Eyes. I am still Naughty Nicole, and this is Renegade Talk Radio Atlanta. So, my Renegade Nation, meet me back here after the break. Fellas, didn't get what you were hoping for from Santa Claus this year? Looking to add a little spice to things in the bedroom? Been fantasizing about an adventurous new adult toy or movie? Well, then we have an offer that you won't be able to resist. Go to toysforpleasure.vegas and for a limited time you'll get 20% off store wide. And we'll even throw in free shipping for any order above $100. And no, we're not teasing. So check out ToysForPleasure.Vegas today and use special offer code BABE69 upon checkout and make sure all your adult fantasies come true with ToysForPleasure.Vegas today. Remember, use offer code BABE69, that's B-A-B-E-6-9, to receive a 20% discount on your entire order. And give the gift that Santa forgot to give. And welcome back, Renegade Nation. If you're just tuning in, well, you are listening to the world in my eyes. And I am still Naughty Nicole. And now that we've kind of opened up the lines of communication, well, I'm going to offer a little bit of my opinion on this. So, the news that the criminal case against Harvey Weinstein has basically stalled... Doesn't surprise me one fucking bit. According to the lawyers representing the victims, prosecutors might not be moving forward to charge Weinstein with rape despite all the evidence that's mounting against him. The fact that the law seems to be on the side of the accused rather than the victim, well, it really doesn't come as much of a surprise. This is just one more example of the ongoing pattern in society where. Powerful men seemingly never seem to face the consequences of their actions. And since all these accusations first came to light, there's been this feeling that there's somehow going to be a dam bursting down down the way. The idea that we might actually reach a tipping point regarding sexual abuse and harassment as more and more people speak up about their experiences and rich, powerful men are being held accountable. Unfortunately, though, despite all the talk, nothing seems to really be getting done about any kind of change, and a lot of the perpetrators appear to have escaped any real ramifications for their actions. And you know what? This isn't new. For years, men accused of sexual misconduct have been allowed to continue to work and achieve high levels of prestige in creative industries, Roman Polanski and Woody Allen have spent decades making incredibly successful movies despite the crimes they are accused of. More recently, Johnny Depp has been hired as one of the leading actors in the five-part trilogy Fantastic Beasts, despite allegations last year of physical and psychological abuse by his former wife Amber Heard. Despite the backlash from users on social media platforms, the director of the films, David Yates, defended Depp in an interview saying, whatever accusation was out there doesn't tally with the kind of human being I've been working with. Depp's continued employment in such a high-profile project again suggests nothing significant has changed, especially when those that are in power continue to make excuses Many of those accused of harassment, or worse, have been able to wait it out, hoping that they will be forgotten as media coverage dwindles. And on the whole, well, guess what? They've been fucking right. But as ever, the momentum quickly faded, and the story all but disappeared behind other scandals. Once again, those with power were protected from having to take any responsibility for their behavior. This doesn't appear to be approving, either. With people growing increasingly uncomfortable with the impact that the scandal may have on them, support for victims who came forward is dwindling. Even Lena Dunham, the original feminazi if there ever was one, chose to publicly defend her male co-worker when he was accused of sexual assault, further promoting the narrative that women lie about being victims and we should question their stories. Since, of course, she is backtracked, but the fact remains that her first initial instinct was to side with the powerful man ex- that was accused. Now, I know that a lot of you out there are scratching your heads because I questioned Taylor Swift on this, but that is a whole different situation. One, there's absolutely no reason to believe what she has said happened. There's no evidence, and in a room full of people, you had no actual witnesses to this and that's why that one's different and yes I think we should take some of these some of these stories to heart and we should listen to them and we should question them but you know what when it becomes increasingly clear that those with the power are unwilling to make changes that they will believe will negatively impact them Alleged perpetrators of sexual assault are able to continue to live their lives without facing any criminal consequences. Those in power need to transfer the balance of power and create an environment which not only condemns sexual assault, but also seeks justice for the victims. Because as of this moment... The best a victim can hope for is her attacker is shamed in the media for a few days or maybe loses a job or two before everything goes back to normal. And you know what? That is just not good enough. All right. I'm getting worked up again, so I'm going to switch gears for a moment. And you know what? I'm going to talk about the Golden Globes as a whole. We're going to put a pin in that sea of black. Well, dresses, that is not people, and maybe talk about a few of some of the other talking points from the Golden Globes. So, of course, we have the hashtag Me movement. Before the event took place, word spread that actors protesting the recent spate of sexual assault allegations would be wearing all black at the ceremony. Sure enough, the majority of actors took to the stage dressed head-to-toe in dark clothing— standing in support of each other. In fact, I thought I was at a Cure concert. During the ceremony itself, Reese Witherspoon, Nicole Kidman, Laura Dern, Greta Gerwig, and many more women spoke at length about the industry's responsibility to put sexual assault and misconduct firmly in the past. Of course, not one single male actor said anything about that, but hey, that's not my business, right? So let's move on to Oprah's speech. Well, the hashtag Me Too Hoopla culminated in Oprah's speech while accepting the Cecil B. DeMille Award. The world-renowned personality and actor called the honor the greatest thing ever, going on to talk about sexism, Rosa Parks, and the late civil rights icon Reese Taylor. She said, and I quote, It is not lost on me that at this moment, There is some little girl watching as I become the first black woman to be given the same award. It is an honor and it is a privilege to share the evening with all of them. Now, I'm going to admit that there were moments in Oprah's speech that made me tear up and even inspired me, but there was just so much, well, you guys listen to it and you tell me what you think, mostly because I'm not stupid enough to shade Oprah because she'll cut a bitch and I ain't kidding, and I'm scared. Oh, and speaking of shade, how about Natalie Portman's shade? Portman managed to cause heads to turn as she presented the Best Director's Award, subtly criticizing the lack of female representation in the category by stating, and here are all the male nominees. I swear, Richie Cunningham shat a load in his pants right then and there. You can watch it, watch it again. I promise you, you can see the moment when he's shitting a load. And it was definitely a night of firsts. The film categories lacked any diversity. As I said, the only thing black was the dresses. But we were redeemed by the TV categories as Aziz Ansari became the first man of Asian descent, to win for Best Actor in a TV Comedy with Master of None, and Sterling K. Brown, the first black man to win for Best Actor in the TV Drama with This Is Us, and, of course, Oprah, the first black woman to take home the Cecil B. DeMille Award. Then, get out, get snubbed more than Harvey Weinstein. (laughs) That's right, Jordan Peele's Comedy, and yes, the movie was entered in the comedy musical category rather than drama. Who the fuck did that? Well, they managed to take home a grand total of zilch awards. Despite being the favorite to win, Get Out was beaten by Ladybird for Best Picture, and British actor Daniel Kaluuya managed to lose to James Franco in the Best Actor category. Really? What? And who the fuck said that was a comedy? I thought it was a horror movie. All right, whatever. Let's talk about Big Little Lies and Three Billboards. The evening's biggest winners were the TV shows Big Little Lies and the drama Three Billboards Outside Ebbing, Missouri, both scooping up four awards. For Three Billboards, Frances McDormand, who I adore, took home the Best Actress in a Drama Award. Co-star Sam Rockwell, who is hot. Winning Best Supporting Actor. He could support me anytime. And Martin McDonough winning Best Screenplay. And the movie named Best Picture. Big Little Lies, on the other hand, was named Best Limited Series, with Nicole Kidman, Laura Dern, and Alexander Skarsgård, another... all winning for their roles. And then Seth Meyers made everybody in the room gasp. Hopefully you caught this. If you didn't, seriously YouTube it, because it's awesome. The Golden Globes kicked off with a monologue from host Seth Meyers, who immediately decided he wanted to talk about the disgraced Hollywood producer Harvey Weinstein. Oh, oh, oh. Myers decided to address, uh, as he said, the elephant not in the room, saying, Harvey Weinstein isn't in the room tonight. Don't worry. He'll be back in 20 years when he will be the first person to be booed during the In Memoriam segment. Most of the room immediately gasped. <gasps> oh, my gosh. I personally thought it was brilliant. Then, of course, we got some honorable mentions. Tommy Wiseau trying to take over James Franco's speech. What the fuck? Are you trying to Kanye James Franco? What the fuck, dude? Hugh Jackman seemed completely baffled by Franco's speech. And Tom Hanks was out serving cocktails to other nominees. Okay, Tom Hanks, I love you, but seriously, what were you doing? And the 101 year old Kirk Douglas making his appearance, seriously, I thought somebody was wheeling out the Crypt Keeper, which made me start to think, where the hell is Michael Douglas? And I started to have that whole Batman and me are not in the room moment. Seriously, what's going on there? So normally, I do try to end on a cheery note. But this is not really a cheerful subject, so I thought I would wrap things up by asking what the experts think needs to be done for sexual harassment. And lucky for me, I didn't have to do any fucking work for this because Fortune Magazine already asked them. So, thank you, Fortune Magazine. I'm going to share this. So, they asked Tarana Burke, who's the originator of the Me Too movement, and she said, One actionable step is for folks to be accountable, not just the perpetrator, but the bystanders. Men and women who see harassment in action should, one, let the victim know they are supported. This doesn't have to be a big, grandiose gesture, but some show of support. And two, do not tolerate it. Then we asked Shauna Thomas, who's the co-founder and co-executive director of Women's advocacy advocacy group director of Ultraviolet called for more Harvey Weinstein-esque moments. The actionable next step is continuing to expose and hold accountable more Harvey Weinsteins in different industries, and that includes men speaking out against other men, not just survivors of harassment and assault. As we see more accountability, more women will feel comfortable coming forward, and there will be a shift of power away from men who have been getting away with harassment for so long with impunity. Instead of instances of assault and harassment being enabled and buried in silence, there will be consequences, and that will change future actions. Then the great Elizabeth Owens Bill, General Counsel of the Society for Human Resource Management, cited the need for strong, comprehensive anti-harassment and anti-retaliation policies and training in employment settings, but said that alone is not enough. Organizational leaders must actively embody a company's commitment to combating harassment, and that requires concerns raised by employees whatever those concerns may be, will be addressed objectively, that appropriate steps will be taken whenever a concern is reported, even if that means that no disciplinary action is warranted given the particular circumstances, and that the organization has zero tolerance for unlawful retaliation. This culture of respect and reporting not only would help prevent full-blown harassment, but it would also likely prevent the Precursors to harassment, incivility, and disrespect. You go, Elizabeth. Meanwhile, Janine Yancey, founder of the CEO of MTRAN, they offer compliance training courses, says corporations shouldn't oversee their own employees' complaints of unwanted sexual advances. You go, Janine. After all, internal advisors are there to protect the company. Rather, she says, she sees the need for an outside public website that moves beyond the type of hotlines that the employers currently con- control, where workers can anonymously report workplace incidents to a neutral third party with subject matter expertise who could identify red flag issues and bring them to the employer for action. It would serve as a middle ground between employees staying quiet about such complaints and employees going nuclear with a legal action or public shaming on the internet or through news channels that automatically puts companies in the defense. I agree, Janine. I think there should be a third party that's in charge of those things. Then we have Lauren Leader Chevet She's the co-founder and CEO of All In Together. It's a national women's group advocating for women's political, civic, and professional leadership and she had the similar recommendations to take the education of sexual harassment claims out of the hands of employers. In addition to calling on businesses to end the secrecy surrounding workplace harassment settlements, she wants them to appoint an outside independent person to investigate claims of harassment so it's outside the chain of corporate command. Every woman who wrote hashtag me Too should ask their employer to consider changes like these to their policies on this issue. And I agree, Lauren. Lay Gilmore, a women's and gender studies professor at Wellesley College and author of Tainted Witness, Why We Doubt What Women Say About Their Lives, says society must recognize the chronic everyday quality of sexual abuse in women's lives as a workplace issue and a public health issue. One way for employers to do that, well, when workplaces do health and safety surveys, they must collect data about sexual harassment and abuse. They can then assess the level of the problem, even when women do not feel safe to speak out and take appropriate action. And last but not least... Interestingly enough, the United States Equal Employment Opportunity Commission, or the EEOC, took on this question in a report published in June of last year, surprisingly, well before the recent string of sexual harassment scandals. It contained the counterintuitive suggestion that managers be rewarded, at least initially, for an increase in sexual harassment complaints in their divisions, since such an uptick would indicate that they were fostering environments in which employees trusted the system. I'll say there are some pretty good ideas in there. How come none of these people were invited to the Golden Globes? ah that's right because they're actually addressing problems instead of dressing for them and with that we've come to the end of my episode and I thank you for joining me today especially since I've been MIA and I've missed you my darlings I hope you take some time to reach out to me because I would love to hear from you you can find me at my website www dot Nicole hyphen Delacroix dot com on Twitter at at Nicole Delacroix or via email at Naughty Nicole Renegade Talk at gmail dot com no spaces and on that note that's all the time we have for today I do want to thank you for joining me here on Renegade Talk Radio Atlanta and don't forget to tune in next time and remember this no is a complete sentence it doesn't require justification or explanation Until then, well, see you next time, my precious little heathens. We don't sugarcoat shit. This is Renegade Talk Radio. Renegade Talk Radio.